Please do sit down. And we're thinking this morning about two masters and our verse. The verse that I've been given is Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And this issue of money, of course, is difficult, isn't it? It creates huge stress amongst us in all sorts of ways. It can create stress in marriages, in work, in sports, in the economy, obviously, and in churches as well. But fortunately, outside salvation, Jesus spoke more about money than anything else. Jesus knew that money has the power to draw people away from God and so lose our salvation. It's often said that there's three drivers, three particular temptations that men face, money, sex, and power. The vicar's asked me to speak on money. No doubt the two curates will be speaking on sex (laughs) and power. As Luke 16, verse 13 tells us, Christian uh, tells us, money is a bad master, but a good servant. It's a difficult road for all of us to walk, isn't it? It's easy to wander and let money become our master. It's an issue for all of us, however much or however little we may have. In a recent survey that was in a national newspaper, they were speaking to people who earned over the national income. The national average income is £26,000, and people who earned more were asked, well, how did they feel? Do they feel rich or poor? A company um, PA was asked at £46,000, how did she feel? And she felt, yes, she felt rich. A consultant doctor earning nearly £120,000 was said, well, I know the answer should be rich, but I don't feel it. Or the businessman earning a million pounds said, but I need more than that. So is wealth just relative, or is there something more elusive about it? When the billionaire J.D. Rockefeller was asked how much money is enough, He replied, just a little bit more than you have. And it's not just the rich and famous, is it, who have to grapple with the issue of money and how much is enough. We all have decisions about money to face. We're asked, aren't we, questions perhaps about pensions. I don't know if you've got to that stage of life yet. I never thought I would, but I'm constantly being asked about pension issues. What standard of life would you like in the future? And most people reply when it comes to pension, well, I'd like to be comfortable. I'd like at least what I've got now, if not a little bit more. So this morning, as we think about wealth, we need to ask ourselves, is money our slave or our master? And how can we actually tell if we're serving God or money? Is money seducing us? Are we on track? Are there changes we need to make? Money's complicated. But the good news is that Jesus is helping us. So four questions on money for us to begin with. And hopefully this will help us come back to the verse we've been given. The first question is this. What do you look at? What do you look at? We live in a wonderful part of the world, don't we? This morning, early this morning, out around Kingham, I was um, walking the dogs. And you could hardly see the village of Kingham. It was shrouded in the mist. It was a stunning autumn morning. Driving off to Longborough this morning. Absolutely glorious. On Friday night, we had a visitor come from London, 
And as he got out of the car at Kingham Hill, he said, let me just stop for a moment. Let me just look at the stars. Because, of course, when you're in London, you don't see them very well. As we admire the beauty of the natural world, we're reminded of God as our creator. It's as if the creation is a signpost pointing to the creator. And yet in the opposite way, it's easy to look at things that are less than wholesome, to dwell too much on worldly things that at best unsettle us and at worst lead us away from God. I wonder how we spend our time looking at things and what we look at on television, on the internet. We need to be realistic, don't we? Perhaps about the magazines that we look at, whether it's the glossy fashion accessories, the country living, the what car magazine. Do they help or hinder us in our walk with the Lord? Only this morning I was having breakfast and looking at some of the Saturday papers. And you know how all those sort of magazines come tumbling out, advertising various gadgets, particularly those um, things that are sold for around the house or the garden, things that you've never contemplated you'll ever need, like the collapsible cup. Apologies if you have one of those. <laughs> but it's only when... Someone has got one. <laughs> It's only when you see them advertise these little gadgets, only when you look at them do you think, ooh, that's not such a bad idea after all. Because as we look at things, we become a little bit dissatisfied with what we've got or what we haven't got, about what other people have or where or where they live. And it can, and it can make us struggle with the contentment that the Lord Jesus gives us. So that's the first thing. What do we think about what do we look at sorry what do we look at secondly or what do we treasure and they follow on don't they a second question we may want to ask ourselves about our attitude to money is what do we treasure most i'm sure we've all played that imaginary game if you had a fire in your house what one thing would you rescue and we have those answers don't we in no particular order the car keys the family silver the dog, the wife. <laughs> well, that's one way of measuring what you treasure. Perhaps a more immediate way of measuring what we treasure is to ask ourselves the question and finish the sentence. I would be happy if, I would be happy if I had a pay rise, a job, a larger house, a new horse, the new iPhone 5. If only we had this, then I'd be happy. It's the thing I struggle with, living in Kingham, Britain's apparently nicest village, according to the Telegraph and Country Living. I'm surrounded by wealth. Our neighbour commutes to work every day by helicopter, flying out at eight and returning at five. One of the wealthier pupils this week was telling me about his new house. I asked him, are you settling in? And he said, yes, sir. But compared to the old house, we've, we've lost a floor. <laughs> it's very careless. And that floor had four bedrooms in it. I said to him, how many people in your, are in your family? Oh, just me and mum and dad. Now, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with wealth. 
But living here at times can mean I'm constantly looking at wealth and very subtly it means that sometimes I can treasure wealth too much. The Cotswoldization of life can be a dangerous thing. We need to keep checks and balances on what we look at and what we treasure. This naturally leads to another question, doesn't it? Well, who are you serving? Because of my sin and the trappings of wealth around me, I can be seduced by that wealth. And this can harm my walk with God. For what we treasure or value quickly becomes what we serve. And Jesus makes a clear warning in this verse, verse 13. You cannot serve both God and money. Perhaps a final question. Well, what dominates your thoughts? Because whoever we are, wherever we live, we can all be compromised with money. If we're a Christian, whether we have a lot or a little, we can trip over. It's often what we think about that shows us what we treasure most. Hence, in Matthew 6, where this verse appears again, Jesus tells his followers not to worry about food and clothing. And perhaps for the wealthy, we may worry about the latest fashion labels and looking good. And for the less wealthy, we may simply worry about having clothes on our backs and food on our tables. Jesus reminds all of us not to worry about such things, because God does provide for his people. The thoughts of the Christian need to be on God's agenda and making sure our treasure is in heaven. You cannot serve both God and money. I was speaking on this passage um, at a staff prayer meeting at school on Tuesday night and we talked about this passage with the headmaster and his wife. The next day, they were burgled. Yesterday, the headmaster's wife came to me and said how helpful this passage was. Because actually, it was a reminder that God gives and God provides for us. And what is in heaven is of lasting value. So we have, with these four questions, something of a vicious circle. Let's look at this together. What we look at can lead to what we treasure. What we treasure can lead to what we serve. And what we serve can lead to what we love. And as we love it, like with things we love, we'll want to look at, and the circle will carry on. So if we love money in the wrong way, Jesus says it will compromise our faith. He's stronger than this little circle, though, isn't he? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other. So it's not just a case of loving money. It's actually that we will hate God. And that's how the circle should look. Look at money, treasure money, serve money, and hate God. Jesus is uncompromising. We can only serve one master. And if we love money, we'll hate God. If our priority is money, then God is hated. It's strong stuff, isn't it? But we know it's true. The confidence that a full wallet can give us will often mean that we rely on ourselves more than we rely on a heavenly father to provide. But for Christians, there's good news. There's good news. This vicious circle can be replaced. There is a flip side. We don't have to be servants of money. We can be servants of God however much money we have. There's a virtuous circle, isn't there, that Christians 
should try to live by. Where we don't look at money, we look at God. And as we look at God, we'll treasure him more. We'll rely on him. We'll read his word. We'll appreciate his amazing generosity. And as we treasure him, well, what will that lead to? We'll be more inclined to serve him. As we serve him more, so we'll love him more. As we love him more, we'll look at him more. One thing quickly leads to the other. It needs to start with our looking at God more. And then we'll know him better and be more grateful for what he has given us. And so we'll treasure him, serve him, love him, and on it goes. But this is not easy for any of us. So here are three practical steps. Hopefully that will help us. Three guidelines on, being, on keeping on the virtuous circle. Three guidelines on money and gods. The first one is this. To retrain our eyes on looking. Retrain our eyes on looking. Maybe worth us stopping from time to time and asking ourselves, well, what do we spend all our time looking at? Does what we look at help our Christian life? Or does it hinder it? Do our magazines, our books, our TV, the internet, does it build up our Christian walk? Or does it actually tear us down? Many things we read about or the pictures we look at are transient, temporary, and often tempting. Much of the stuff we work for is replaced quickly by the next upgrade. Yet the more we look at God's, the more we'll admire him and his work and his generosity. And surely this beautiful season of autumn in the Cotswolds reminds us of that, that God's created order is subject to seasons and cycles, giving and taking away. Summer has gone, the brown leaves are here, the trees will be bald, and then the beauty of spring will return. God has designed life to be seasonal because he wants us to rely on him as he gives so he takes away. Jesus explains this in Matthew 6. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Retrain our eyes by looking, by looking towards God as a generous heavenly Father. Secondly, to retrain our treasures by our giving. Retrain our treasures by giving. You see, we usually spend money, don't we, on things that we want or things that we value. When our children say, Daddy, can I have this or can I have that? If it's not birthday season or Christmas, the answer is probably going to be no. Because why? Because I want them to save up for things, to save up and buy it. Not because I'm from Yorkshire, which I am, but partly so that as they save up for things, they'll value it more. And as well as valuing it, they'll take care of it. And we're the same, aren't we? Witness the recent appeal of the new iPhone 5. So many people rush out to buy this new little beauty from Apple. And what's the first thing they do with their new gadgets? They care for it. They wrap it in a little cover. They treasure it. Perhaps like those of us who bought a new car. If we spend lots of money on a shiny new car, what will we do? We'll vow to ourselves, this one I'm going to clean more regularly. I'm going to look after it. I'll drive it more carefully. And it's much the same with giving our money to God's work. As we give to him, we'll be refocused. You see, the act of giving points us in God's direction. 
Why? Because when we spend money on what's important, so our hearts will follow that money. As we spend money on mission, we'll take a greater interest in mission. When I give to a Christian missionary overseas, I'll take a greater interest in what that missionary is doing. I'm more likely to pray for them. Why? Because I'm investing in it. I want to know how my investment is being used. By giving, not only am I investing in God's work, I'm also retraining my treasures to be used for God's glory. Thirdly and finally, retrain our lives by serving. Retrain our lives by serving. Years ago, I used to live near a very rich man. Not quite as rich as my present neighbour, but another man. A man called Mr Healy, up in Hull. He was worth several, still is worth several billion pounds. And because of this, he was broken into. He was tied up and his house ransacked. Lots of stuff was nicked. Fourteen hours later, he was found and untied. After this awful event, he made his house a fortress. CCTV, electric doors, security companies, you know the deal. He had effectively imprisoned himself. You see, he had so much wealth. He had so many worries. And most of us share worries about wealth, don't we? Perhaps though for the opposite reasons. We worry about not having enough. How will our children get through university? Will they ever buy a house? Will our pensions be secure? What will happen to our stocks and shares? Money is the source of much worry, whether we have a little or a lot. And worry has been defined as living in tomorrow. Yet a hallmark of Christian life and keeping money as our servant and not as our master is that we trust God for the future. We may not know what will happen to the money markets in the future, but God does. And so we need to trust him. As we trust him as our master, so we'll serve him as our master. The needs of today are a greater priority than the possible needs of tomorrow. After all, in the Lord Jesus, let's be remembered how generous God was to us. He gave and gave and gave. That one who was so rich came from heaven to earth, from earth to the cross, the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky. The generosity of the gospel pictures God being wonderfully generous to us. And if we can keep that in our sights, so we'll not only trust God, but we'll treasure him. And as we treasure him, we'll serve him and we'll love him more. As God has provided Let's be men and women, brothers and sisters, who go on trusting God to provide for us today and tomorrow. Let's bow our heads and I'll pray.